What's up, everybody? This is AJ Kirsch, and you're listening to Wrestling POV Global. Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of WPOV Global. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. With me, my two co-hosts. First of all, the gentleman himself, Elio Canella. Elio, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? I'm doing great. And of course, our other host, Ant the Liberated. Ant, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, gentlemen. How about you two? Well, you know what? Is another uh, week of feeling caged in. I'm going to say that. Yes. <laughs> it is still is. Dry. I don't know how much. Uh, it's got. I get it. We have to do what we got to do but it's not easy on the psyche. Uh, I've spent, you know, my entire working life working. So this has been very hard for me now. This is like week seven of me sitting around doing not much. So I'm like, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, how are you guys holding out? Um, much like you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Wanting to get out. Uh, it's, it's tiring. I mean, of course, I have to make my runs for necessities, but mm -hmm. just feeling cage it's it's bothersome but i understand sacrificing for the greater good true true Elio? yeah yeah i uh, i went i was outside for a bit like this afternoon because um, it was just nice weather so i thought i'd go outside for a bit because it's getting really frustrating being like indoors for this long, long period of time mm -hmm. however i i managed to go into back into my childhood Oh, because I found a show that I grew up with, and and I know you know about this one called "You Can't Do That on Television." You can't do that on television. The beginning of the ascension of our goddess. Yeah, Lana so Forset. that is where set. That's where she started when she was like thirteen years old on that show. Yep. Oh, was that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That now I and I wish uh, American audiences when we tell you what the show is about, you're going to be like, "What the hell are you guys watching?" But if you get a chance, <laughs> go onto YouTube. It's called "You Can't Do That on Television." Oh, familiar. Okay, so well, yeah, they used on Nickelodeon. I yeah, know. so basically, what it was was a um, like a, a sketch comedy thing, but with a bunch of kids. Yeah. And uh, they always had reoccurring characters like that disgusting cook who put his uh, hamburgers <laughs> under his armpits and bring them out for his warm. And, and the whole thing is, uh, what was the word you weren't allowed to say? Were you allowed to say, I don't know or something, and you would get covered? Yeah, I don't know, and you'd get covered with green slime. Yeah. And they, you know, they did the bits where they'd be at the lockers and people would keep popping out of the lockers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but it was indeed the first uh, start of Alanis Morissette's uh, very early, early career. And uh, she was only in for a season or two. She wasn't the whole run of the show. But uh, I, to be honest, even after knowing that and even after seeing the show, uh, I couldn't even really tell it was honest. She was so young. So <laughs> you know how you can look at some child actors and you're like, oh, yeah, I can see how they grew into that. Yeah. And then there's those child actors you look at and they're like, that's the same kid? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess the pretty the pretty fairy came along a lot later in life. Okay. Yeah, cool. well, I, know, I know somewhere somewhere on one of my VHS tapes I have her early music videos from 91. Sorry, V, what was that word you said? V, 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 VHS? V, what is a VHS? <laughs> <laughs> oh, next you're going to be saying that Alanis was just too hot. <laughs> Sorry, that's no, a joke. Her first there. single. <laughs> Her first single back when she was Canadian pop star. Anyhow, uh, so yes, that, that was the beginning of our goddess. You, you, so you spent some time watching. Um, <laughs> you can't do that on television. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. I have spent. Okay. 
there's always so much things on TV. There's always so much things going. I have all these streaming services and I never had time, but I've had time for the last you know, seven weeks. Six of those weeks, I have been watching just like every program that I wanted to catch up on. Okay. But I hit a wall. I hit oh. a wall, boys. I sat down during this whole six weeks, off and on, was watching different things. And, and you know what? You guys can laugh at me and mock me all you want about this one. I don't give a crap. I watched all five seasons of Sailor Moon in Japanese. Okay. Wow. All five wow. seasons. But, but here's where the hard part gets, guys. I made it down to the, the last two episodes of the entire run, went to go watch them. And I'm like, nah, I don't give a crap anymore. About <laughs> it's been three days now. And I have not watched those last two episodes after watching the entire run. Yeah. I have not watched those last two episodes. And I, I told that to a friend yesterday. And he said to me, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to do it. You're going to not watch it. You're going to not watch it. You're going to forget about it. Then one day you're going to go, Oh, I got to watch those. Oh, maybe I should go back and watch the other ones to reacquaint. And you're going to go through the five seasons again, get to the end and go, Oh yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is the nature of the legend guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh wrestling though <sighs> this is one of the times i guess i wish i had the network i used to have the network for a very long time um i wouldn't mind going back and looking at some mid-south and some of those things i used to love like old school wrestling you know yeah and uh yeah like every, every once in a while i go back on youtube and uh, look at old uwf clips no isn't that uwf isn't that uh a, a good segue no, isn't that also uh, this week's uh, version of yes, Vice? Yes, the Dark Side doing... of the Ring, Rare Bay Brands. Yeah, so they'll be looking right into the UWF stuff. And we actually, uh, we have not been as lazy as we seem lately. Uh, me and Elio have, in the last couple of days, uh, at least done conducted six interviews of uh, various different wrestlers that we're going to be uh, showing over the next uh, couple of days, well, over the next couple of weeks as we're interested with the shows here. And... Uh, a couple of them actually talked about UWF, uh, which was interesting. Uh, we talked to Andy Anderson, the lone wolf, and he talked about Puerto Rico and he talked about UWF and being involved in some of those things. So that was kind of interesting. So it's so weird how things come about like that. So are, are you guys have, as, the, as this Vice City uh, program keeps going, Dark Side of the Ring, have you guys been watching more of the episodes? I, Not like I should. I told myself I want to, you know, get back into them. It's been a few episodes. It's been a while mm -hmm. since I've seen some. So just trying to get myself back into the mindset of watching them as just, you know, getting prepared for MMA POV, you know, with constant breaking news. And then mm -hmm. we eventually about to get into some live UFC events again. That's primarily where my focus has been. But yeah, I definitely okay. want to get back into those. I saw I saw a lot of uh, season one. I've uh, been I've caught up. I'm caught up on every episode of season two so far, and there's only two more left. Gotcha. Well, I, I I do know I've watched a lot of them. Um, I can't do the. I just there's something about the Jimmy Snooker one. I just don't want to watch it. I, uh, I really yeah, I I didn't really enjoy that one too much. Um, and you know what? The New Jack one was very disturbing on a lot of levels. It was watching this, and uh, and it made me think of stuff like. Man, it made me think of the tool of racism within wrestling world. Mm. I mean, there's no way around it. Uh, it has been a tool that has been used so much. Uh, you know, they're, 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 especially like, you know, places in the Deep South when they were talking about uh, New Jack, how, you know, they were told to go out and rile up all the white racists. And, you know, uh, but it makes you wonder. And, and this is the question that I always wonder is, 
even if you go out with the intention of, okay, we're not really racists, but we're going to play that card to get the fans angry and worked up, aren't we perpetuating racism and kind of, in a way, validating it? And, and that's what I wonder. And, and this hit home for me uh, last week when I was listening to, um, to Wrestling POV, okay? And, uh, and it, those shows hosted by Tony Diaz and Rick Serrano, the third, who are both uh, Latin, okay? They're both uh, Latin American guys. And uh, they had put up a graphic uh, where it had the, the current stable that has like uh, Selena Vega and her, um, you know. Andrew Garza, Andrade, and Austin Theory, yeah. Right. And, and, and said, ask, the, ask people to name this stable. Mm. And they said they got such an outpouring of actually like terrible, almost bordering on racist jokes that had come in. And you know what? I thought about it and I was actually guilty because I wrote down something that I didn't think was all that racist. I thought was kind of funny being Mr. Witty. And I realized I kind of gave into that too. Mm -hmm. And I didn't take into consideration that, you know, the hosts themselves are both Latin American guys and maybe they wouldn't find that funny at all. And what I had written thinking I was being a smart ass is I said that the team should have been called green card. You know, as in the joke of like, oh, you know, Mexicans sneaking in and getting kicked out or whatever, you know, but it made me realize that sometimes we perpetuate such stereotypes like that, especially in wrestling. I mean, my goodness, wrestling is so full of like, how come every African-American and Polynesian wrestler seems to be the master of the headbutt whose heads are stronger? Like, that is not true in any sense of the word. There is no... um there is no scientific backing behind this. I'm sure most scientists would tell you that's exactly not true. Mm -hmm. And yet, these are the things we perpetuate. Uh, if you're Polynesian back in the day, you were a savage, just automatically. I mean, forget the fact there's cities, cars, uh, education systems, and teachers and stuff from all those areas. But no, you walk into the United States, you are automatically a savage of some kind. And it made me think of um, how easy it is to, like, actually take these kind of things and perpetuate them without realizing you're doing it right um i took a dumb joke because i thought it was like you know some harmless joke but i didn't take into consideration that the two co-hosts on the other show are latin american guys and maybe they're tired of seeing jokes thrown all the time about their culture so it makes me kind of think sometimes that i guess we should really take into consideration other people's feelings are we making jokes about uh, about uh, people's race because we laugh about it because it's it's only something that we think is funny or is there a deep-seated thing in there? That is one thing we, I think we should look at. Mm -hmm. And I do know for myself, um, as a guy who's on a, a, a national show like this, uh, where the things we say, it's okay, I guess, you know, if you're around yourself and with your friends to make the kind of jokes you make so long as you're not hurting other people's feelings, it's okay to talk those jokes to yourself but with a national forum, maybe that's something you shouldn't be perpetuating. So I know for myself, I just want to apologize to the two guys if, if they did take offense to that because it wasn't meant to be. But now that I think about it, it's something that maybe it could have been, you know, it could be taken badly. And, and I, that was, certainly wasn't the case, but I don't want to be one of those guys. I'm going to own up to it. I'm going to say, you know what, that was wrong. That was stupid. And that's the kind of crap that I don't want to see on our pages either. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you think that uh, we're being a little bit uh, 
ridiculous because we can't take a joke. Well, you know what? Maybe on a national forum where other people can read this and be offended. What's the point? You know, what's the point? Keep that crap to you and your friends. I don't care what you guys do behind closed doors or say to other people, but when other people hear it and it can, people can be hurt or offended by it, that's not cool. You know, I mean, they talking about America, how the freedom of speech, people have the right to express what they feel, right? However, your freedom of speech only goes so far as when it collides and hurts somebody else. People forget that other point. And uh, even as Canadians, we want to also not be a part of that. So that's my, that's my uh, on the soapbox this week. I hope, uh, I, just, I just think it, it was just something that needed to be said after reading that, you know? I felt a little bit troubled after that. And uh, so I want to apologize to those guys. And, and like I said, fans, you know what? You don't agree with us or whatever, fine. Don't agree with us. But don't be writing, you know, dumb racist crap on our pages mm -hmm. because we're not going to acknowledge it and we're not going to be a part of it, you know? So forget the gloom and doom for now. Let's get in to our hot topic of the week. Oh, wait, I got actually some news, okay? A little bit of news. I know there's not a heck of a lot of news going on right now in uh, the indie world. Uh, we do know that New Japan has canceled the Super J tournament. Another big blow. <laughs> that is a big thing so that the super J said it does all the don taco shows have been canceled that's some of the major shows of the year for new japan uh so J the japanese are taking this very seriously uh you know they're not in rushing back to uh stimulate their economy they're they're really you know they're really taking this very seriously and and just like i mean look at new japan i mean how many <laughs> they're not trying the ridiculous uh empty arenas and we can figure this out they're taking no chances they don't want their guys sick. They don't want things mm -hmm. to happen. So boom, they're canceling this. The other bit of news I had concerns MLW. Now, I remember I mentioned on the show probably a week or two ago that Court Bauer had made the comment that even if this went another year and a half, that he had enough uh, content to do shows for the next um, 18 months. Okay. The reason why is they have announced this week that they are going to do a brand new th show because I wondered about this. Next week's MLW episode will be the last of the Super Series. It will also be the last Fusion show until they start doing regular shows. What they are going to be doing is a show called Anthology. I'm looking forward to that. Seeing the now, early days of MLW. Exactly. Anthology. Now, most people don't realize this, but MLW, I mean, we've been, I've only known, it's only been on my radar for like a year and a half. It actually was like something like, it's it's quite old it's like 20 years old it has things in the it has matches all through florida and thing that they they've kept they have superstars who before they came to the wwe there's tons of brian danielson or daniel bryan now tons of cm punk tons of uh all the guys who are in the undisputed era went all through there there's terry funk steve carino all these older wrestlers going in there terry so i am terry funk <laughs> he did some he did some work for uh for this company Steve Carino uh, ran a group called the Extreme Horsemen. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, kind of interesting stuff I've heard about, and now we're going to get a chance to see some of them. Nice. Looking forward now, to that one. I don't know. I don't know, guys, if, if how we're going to cover this. I mean, we went in with the attentions. We were going to cover WWE NXT UK, right? Mm -hmm. But, boy, that turned out to be crapola within a week. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to think we're going to cover anthology and it'll be good, but I have a feeling it's hard to see old stuff packaging all the time right it's it doesn't have the fresh vibe 
So we'll see how it goes. We'll talk with you guys. We'll watch it. We'll all discuss if it's worth writing a, a column about. Is it worth how we're going to cover it? It, it? This whole system, our whole point grading system is really thrown in the curve because right now AEW is really only place that we cover that's actually doing brand new content. I know, I know, I know it's thrown to the weekly race. And yeah. Uh, upside down, turn that upside down because some weeks, like I, I might mess up the numbers because we don't know which, which shows get which numbers. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a little confusing. Um, but you know what? Uh, it's the way things are. We got It's the new norm for now. So we're going to accept that. Do the best we can with it. All right. So, Let's go into our hot topic this week. And I thought this a hot topic was interesting because the, the guys on the other show were talking about Dustin Rhodes. And I want to clear up one misconception. They, had, they didn't realize this, but yes, two weeks ago, Dustin Rhodes came out and said in the middle of that tournament that if he couldn't defeat Kip Sabian, that he was going to quit. He did say that, okay? However, he only said that about the Kip Sabian match. He never made any of those threats about Lance Archer or not winning the tournament. So if the confusion, I know the other guys thought he'd said that and they didn't understand if Dustin was done or whatever. No, he actually never said that he was going to retire if he didn't beat Archer or those guys. It was for the week before for Kip's, Kip Sabian because the point was Kip was this up-and-comer and that if he couldn't beat this young punk, then his time was done. Got me thinking, though. Dustin is 51 years old. And we see him quite regularly. We see him take a hell of a beating last week. The question we threw out there, guys, should he actually retire? At 51 years old, has he, has he done enough? Should he just give it up now? Or is there still a lot of gas left in this guy? Does he still have a wrestling life? Now, we're going to go into the comments too, but first I want to ask Ant. Ant, 51-year-old Dustin Rhodes, how do you feel? Is it time for him to walk away? Is it time for him to keep going? Is, what, what, what do you think in your mind? Where should Dustin Rhodes be in this? In my mind, I think Dustin Rhodes is performing at the best he ever has, in, in my personal opinion. I think this is the best I've ever seen Dustin Rhodes mm-hmm. um, in reference to retirement. I don't think he should retire yet. However, he shouldn't be a regularly active wrestler either, given his age. Ration him out, maybe have him perform, what, once, twice a month you know, throwing some breaks in between. And as long as you do it that way and don't overwork him, he has a few years left in him. So I would like to see him go. But what I don't want to see is him reach, I guess, an undertaker or place of performance where it's evident he's a shell of his former self. And then you have to use gimmick matches like your boneyard matches to kind of cover his deficiencies. Okay. And, and before you answer, Elio, I just want to throw one thing out to you, uh, to Ant. Do you think, though, that all being said, should he be given one last run at a title or even a title run within AEW? Or is that shit passed? Um, I guess I'm torn. Uh, mm-hmm. Only because I feel like he didn't get the title runs he should have gotten in WWE. So... Mm-hmm. Even if it's for like a transitional period, two to three months, I guess it would be cool mm-hmm. for him to get a TNT championship run. But I wouldn't want to see younger talent sacrificed in the process. So honestly, I'm kind of torn. I guess I'll get back to you guys with a more definitive answer, but a mm-hmm. little torn on that. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Elio, yeah. at 51 years old, is Dustin Rhodes 
is it time for him to hang up the the boots or is it just does he still have it in him to be a full-time wrestler or like Ant says maybe he should be broken no, down my, a bit no, to a not much like Ant said uh this is the best i've seen him uh, perform um no, I think he still has uh, some wrestling life left in him. Uh, but mm-hmm. if they, if they, like Gan said, if they use him sparingly, like not every single week, maybe tw- once or twice a month, then yeah. uh, I think that would work. Now it's funny, guys. I have been so up and down about this question since the moment I posed it. Okay, okay. Um, there's times where I'm like. Okay, man, he's doing this great. He looks great. Then there's times uh, it'll throw me down and times I'm back up again. Reading over the comments that came in, there was one comment that struck me. And they, what they said made me feel exactly opposite of what they said. Okay? And we'll get to that comment eventually. But it made me start thinking of the local wrestling I've seen. And I remember, like, the days of uh, Stu Hart being in his 60s and coming out for one match where, you know, there's this old man who really clearly does not belong in the ring, who clearly is in no shape, who clearly can't really do anything, but everyone's selling for him. Everyone's acting like, you know, they're going up against Hulk Hogan in his prime. Or Waldo Von Erich or Fritz Von Erich going in there uh, way past their primes with their sons. Uh, Barb Armstrong, who's actually what the comment was about, mm-hmm. you know, the, and, and that started me thinking, you know, I look at Dustin Rhodes, and you guys are right. Right now, we're seeing some of the best he's done in the while. Mm-hmm. But the only reason that is, we're seeing that is because the WWE, in the last 10 years, has not let us see very much of him in a, any positive light, you know. Um, so he's probably always had it in there, but we've just never gotten to this forefront. Obviously, we're in a reduced roster like AEW, where, uh, and especially with the COVID thing going on and, and their access to only half their wrestlers, so they're using some guys a little bit more than, you know, might be used. Yes, he's out there. He's looking pretty solid. He's wrestling really well. What worries me is when you look in his face, man, does he look like he is an old, tired guy. You know, maybe it's time to, you know, Tony Diaz doesn't like the half face paint. Maybe, Dustin, you should do the full face paint right now because you're looking I, I pretty like darn ha- tired. I don't like the half face paint either. If you're going <laughs> to do the face paint, do the whole face I, you know what? If he was younger, I would think it would be cooler. I kind of like the idea of that. Yeah. Uh, but let's face it, he's looking super tired. He's looking like a very old man wearing makeup. And unfortunately, it can make you look a little foolish. And sometimes he can come off looking like that. I guess, in my mind, I guess, uh-huh. I know you're going to hate this, Ant, but I think the best thing right now is to transition him to the role of like Undertaker where he only shows up once or twice a year and he's a big deal. And unfortunately you do need some gimmicks to, to, to get him through it, but he is that extra attraction. Make him that special attraction. Don't throw him away on, on squash matches where, you know, Lance Archer is beating him till he can't stand anymore or stuff like that. That seems more of a disservice than anything else. Because WB had him in, had him in that ridiculous, uh, Goldust, that character from like 96. We've only ever seen him as Goldust in there. I, well, you get, you know, we all say that ridiculous character Goldust, but back in the day, Goldust was the hottest shit around and oh, Dustin no, Rhodes no, never no, did jack. Actually, uh, it was ridiculous when they like altered him and like made him that like weird Goldust character with the red hair and stuff. 
Oh, okay. But I know yeah. some people look back at the Goldust character and they cringe and stuff, but guys, Dustin Rhodes never went anywhere and he was around before gold dust okay yep, yep. he just mm-hmm. floated around as dusty's you know chubby son in uh in uh, wcw um whew. i i i think i don't think he's ready he's i don't think he should be doing full-time wrestling anymore i don't think i want to see him constantly bleed we've been seeing an awful lot of that i actually remember i actually remember his uh, debut uh, back in 91 uh, when he was you know, in the front row when dbrc like beat him beat him okay. up yeah so I, I'm going to say, I think the time for active wrestling is done. I don't think he should quit wrestling, but the last thing I want him to see, and this is coming from a boy who, who watched a hell of a lot of stampede wrestling. I don't need to see him out there like Stu Hart, uh, living off a fake legend that, that is obviously gone by now, you know, uh, propping him up because let's face it, who really is going to go in there and hit a 50, 60 year old man? I don't care how young you are. You're you're not that much of a dick, okay? Not if you're a wrestler. So, but let's, you know what? Let's turn this over to the fans, guys. I know we had fans writing in about this. Um, Elliot, why don't you read one of the comments? Okay, so um, the first one comes from Dusty Riley and says, still seems pretty all right in the ring, but if he retires now, he'll probably save his body. He needs one last awesome run, though, because he's a legend. Well, that sounds like uh, me and Ant combined. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in uh, you have one in front of you, Ant? I do. And this actually comes from a buddy of mine that I've known for 20-some-odd years, dating back to our days in junior high school, Victor Ooh. Blackson, who says he should wrestle until the wheels literally fall off. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Not a lot of sympathy there, man. No, not a lot. I mean, I, I get Vic and, 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 you know, him feeling like Dusty can still go and he wants to see Dusty work. But, you know, as we both express, he's at an age now where, you know, he can't work as actively as some of the younger wrestlers. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I get his uh, enthusiasm, though. Yeah. Hey, you know what, though? That is one thing that some wrestlers will tell you. Just about every wrestler in the old day who, like, retired. Yeah. They come back five years later going, wish I'd never retired. Wish they had just kept going and, and made the money while they could still walk, right? right. So I get that, yeah. Some, that's, that could be a valid opinion. Um, Aaron Myers wrote, at first I thought you wrote at age 511. My answer was still no, though. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. 511, uh, we're getting into Matt Hardy territory there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have one more here. Um... Jeremy Hilker says he's putting on the best matches of his career right now. I hope he gets a title run, then retires to Cody title for a career match. Interesting. I mean, uh, they obviously have, uh, they have great charisma. We have seen them fight each other before, and it was one of the best matches. It was actually in our vault last year. Yep. Um, I go off to Joseph Kearse, who says he's a lot. Okay, this is the one that turned the guys, okay? This okay. is the one. This comment made me think the exact opposite way. He has a lot of wrestling life in him. Bob Armstrong in his 80s and is still wrestling. Well, I don't want to see Bob Armstrong in his 80s. That's too much, guys. Uh, too yeah, much. I know. I, I, that, that is too much, though. 80s, like, Rick Flair is the worst one for this because he still, like, wants to be in there. And he's, like, at 60-something or 70-something years old. Well, when you spend that much money and owe that many people all your life, <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do to pay the bill. You know what I mean? That's true. Uh, there's one last comment. Uh, does uh, Did you have that one up there, uh, Ant, from Ben Jenkins? 
coming from Ben Jenkins, who says he could still go with the best of them. And I agree. Yeah. It, this is like an all over question. Um, you've heard our point of views, but let's face it. Uh, not our decision, <laughs> True. but very divided. There are some fans who think, you know what, this is an old guy who's got, you know, maybe he should let it down. There's other guys out there saying this guy's still got a lot left in him. So complex, complex question, guys. I want to thank you for weighing in and I want to thank you people for writing in on this. Um, and it already, I've already formulated my question for next week. I know this is a little bit of a hurry, but I'm going to give you folks the whole week to think about it and, and you two to think about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my question for next week is, are we subtly seeing Cody Rhodes become the villain? Because he certainly seems to be doing a lot of little shitty things every now and then, like hucking Darby Allen into his wife, slightly cheating in matches. Makes me wonder, hmm, are we going to get a full-out match with him against Lance Archer? Mm. Or are we going to see something maybe unexpected, like a Mm. Cody turn? So, folks, I want you to write in and tell me, is Cody Rhodes the – the evil mastermind bastard I think he is, or <laughs> oh, is, is legend just on the goo goo juice and not knowing what's going on here, you know? <laughs> Gotta admit, you know, it gets lonely at night to get a few drinks and, you know, you start thinking. But <laughs> I'll give you guys the week to formulate that, okay? Now, because we do not have a bunch of wrestling, because we don't have a lot of things to cover, um, we've uh, gone on a series of uh, doing interviews with uh, some wrestlers, uh, some promoters, some uh, backstage people. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a bit of interviews put in the middle of the show. We're going to cut right now to an interview with uh, MLW co-announcer. He's one half of the broadcast team there, um, AJ Kirsch. Now, the funny part about AJ Kirsch is I've only seen him in MLW. I didn't know who he was before. Uh, I click on to do some info, and this guy is like shredded Mm -hmm. as hell. I mean, muscular, scary. I'm like, okay, my head is going, well, is this guy a wrestler? And you know what? He actually was. He was on Tough Enough, for God's sakes. And he made it to like uh, the eighth of 10th week, 10 weeks. Uh, he's also a current wrestler within the Indies in California. And he's considered one, a top um, speaking promo indie guy. So much so, he won a contest that The Rock endorsed him as one of the best promos he ever heard. So... We're going to cut to this this interview with uh, with AJ. AJ talks a bit about his career, a bit about his start, and then we talk some MLW. And folks, we had some interesting things to say about that. And as you know, MLW is definitely a show that we have our eye on. Mm-hmm. So let's cut away to that interview. When we get back, we're going to be talking a little bit of uh, AEW. We're going to talk some MLW. We're going to crack open the book because you know what? My sensibility cannot take it anymore. There's somebody <laughs> going in there. Folks. <laughs> We'll see you right after this commercial. Hey, Global fans. It's your host, Legend T. James Logan. Got a chance now in our ongoing series of talking to people across wrestling while we're all stuck inside with the whole coronavirus hitting us. Got a chance, and this has been a, a pleasure for me, is I get a chance to talk to AJ Kirsch, who is right now one of the leading um, announcers on MLW Fusion. First of all, AJ, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me. I'm uh excited to talk shop especially as you said we're all kind of stuck inside with shelter in place and social distancing so i'm excited to be here 
Well, this for us, you know, we usually have a ramp pack show where we cover at least five different shows and showing all our point of views and stuff. So we don't get a heck of a lot of time to do interviews. And uh, when we found that there's only, you know, and let's face it, MLW is one of the few shows giving out fresh content right now, which right. is pretty amazing. And uh, we decided to take this time to also highlight wrestlers and people behind stage in wrestling every chance we could get to promote shows and to get people to see now longtime uh, listeners of the show know that originally mlw was not a program that we covered but it was a cover it was actually something that i i dragged in from the editors i kept saying this show is so much fun and it's going to blow up that i i want to keep covering it and uh it has done just that i mean in the last year mlw has been a great alternative to some of the other shows out there. And, and I've really enjoyed it a lot. And I mean, it's had some episodes that have blown me away. It has some episodes that are okay. It's just like any other show, but it's fresh. And it's done a few things that, uh, you know, we're gonna get into talking a bit about MLW and, and what makes it work. And there are some really good things to do, but let's get to know AJ first. AJ, now I'm gonna confess that I didn't know enough about you going into this. I knew your announcer that I liked and I enjoyed listening to you. When I went back and looked at you, you have a, a pretty colorful career before even coming into MLW. Let's start about the wrestling connection. What got you started in wrestling? What was the interest? I appreciate that intro, by the way. Always pleased to hear that uh, people appreciate my work behind the desk at MLW. Um, you know, I was flipping through channels in 1996. Uh, I think it was March. And I just came across Monday Night Raw and, you know, I was familiar with pro wrestling prior to that time, but I had never actually sat down and really given it a chance. And so I was like, you know what, I'll check it out. And I was absolutely enthralled. And to this day, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it was just the combination of the characters, the storytelling, the athleticism, everything was just amazing for me. And I was lucky because I started watching wrestling at a very exciting time because March of 96, it was three months before the NWO. It was three months before mm -hmm. the phrase Austin 316 was born. And it was just like the calm before the storm that was the Monday Night Wars. And then, of course, all of a sudden ECW was starting to make noise. So I was very lucky that I started watching wrestling when I did because it started to grow and evolve as I was growing. So as I got into my teenage years, I never stopped watching wrestling because it, I felt like it was growing with me. I like to describe it as a phase I never grew out of. Okay. Well, one thing, um, when it comes to the attraction to wrestling, there always seems to be the theatrical part and the athletic part. And most people are driven towards one and pick up the other. What was it for you? Because People may not realize this, but uh, especially if you only know you from MLW, you are very athletic. Thank you. What, what for you was the attraction or was it both? I don't know that I could say it was one over the other. I think it was just the complete, the complete package. It just all, it was a great balance of everything that I found interesting about entertainment. And as I said, I, I still have a hard time putting it towards exactly what it was. I'm sure you know, the athleticism was part of it. The drama was part of it. Um, the live crowd was a big part of it because there really is no feeling like interacting with live crowd. And as I got into my teenage years and the more obsessed and passionate I got about it, I was just like, you know what? I think I want to see what it's like to experience this from the inside out. Now, uh, what was the start to get in there? What, uh, yeah. Did you take, did you go to training school? Like, I know you competed in WWE's Tough Enough, but what, mm -hmm. did you have stuff before that or did you go straight into that? 
Yeah, I did. So as I was going to college at Chico State and uh, earning my degree in communications, I found a wrestling school about an hour away. And so three days a week, I would uh, make the drive and I would train and, you know, I was learning how to bump and how to conduct myself in the locker room and just all the things that go with being a student at a pro wrestling school. And so, and of course, in, in interviews that I heard with other wrestlers, everyone's like, get your degree, get your degree, get your degree, because the odds of making a living in pro wrestling are super slim. So I was like, okay, well, since I'm working toward getting my degree, there's no reason I can't work toward becoming a pro wrestler at the same time. Mm. And then, of course, how, how did the WWE Tough Enough thing come about? Uh, I saw people were talking about it on Facebook, that it was making a, a comeback. And this was in the end of 2010. And I just had this mindset where it was like, you know what? Somebody has to be on that show. And I think it should be me. Why not? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put together, you know, I'm going to apply. I'm going to put together a video. And like I had done some video editing projects for fun. So like I was acquainted enough with iMovie that I felt like I could edit together a decent looking um, audition tape. And after a series of extensive phone interviews and uh, phone auditions, I guess, both like audio and video, um, I was asked to fly to LA, but to pack as if I was going for six weeks. And so the final part of the process was they flew 28 people down to LA for in-person auditions. They flew 14 people back home and the 14 people that they kept were the contestants on the show and they went right from that last round of auditions to taping the show. So it was wow. quite the whirlwind going from, you know, bouncing at a club six days a week to training under Stone Cold Steve Austin, Booker T, Trish Stratus, and Bill DeMott. Wow. And, and what would you, I mean, obviously was it a, how would you describe that whole experience in the Tough Enough system? Pressure, a lot of pressure because unless you were locked in the bathroom, uh, cameras were on you all the time. And you had to keep in mind that millions of people worldwide were going to see whatever those cameras captured. Mm -hmm. um, so like funny, quick story, like I would take like half hour dumps just so I could get away from the cameras <laughs> for a little while. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm training under people that I grew up watching. I mean, the mm -hmm. man, Vince McMahon, named the biggest, greatest WWE superstar of all time. And then you had just such an unbelievable collection of, of talent come through there with John Cena and The Rock and Bret Hart and Big Show and Rey Mysterio and just obviously legends in the business. Um, as a fan, I felt like I won the life lottery to be able to do that. And mm -hmm. as an aspiring WWE superstar at the time, I was like, oh my God, this is like, this will put me on their radar in a way that I otherwise wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, people may not realize this, and who knows, we might even do an, a bonus thing at the end here and ask you to do this, but you developed, I guess, really good uh, promo skills. I mean, you've been noted, it says here, in a few different places, uh, including The Rock, picking you as a great promo. Did, uh, how was that learning the promo? Did you pick it up really quick? Was it something you really had to work on? I, I've seen guys work forever and then hit it, and then guys walk in and go boom and got it. How was it? Was it intimidating? What was it like for you learning the promo art? Well, actually, the reason I picked the communication studies major in college was because I knew if I was going to pursue a career in pro wrestling, I needed to get comfortable talking mm -hmm. on a mic and talking in front of people. And, you know, between classes with uh, argumentation and debate and critical thinking and speech communication and even mass media and propaganda, I think mm -hmm. taking those classes all helped me kind of dial in 
my ability to speak in front of an audience. In fact, mm -hmm. it got to the point where I went from being terrified to speak in front of people to being nominated to speak at my commencement ceremony. In college. Oh, wow. So, and <laughs> I think to this day, I think the reason I wasn't chosen is because I told the decision makers that my speech was going to be how I can't wait to get out of college and start my career in pro wrestling. Oh, so, I don't think they took that too kindly, but nonetheless, that's, I had to, it took a lot of repetition, just like getting good at anything does. It took a lot of repetition. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I realized it was something I needed to get good at if I was going to be good at pro wrestling. And so mm -hmm. up to that point on tough enough, I had had a series of rough days as far as like the in-ring exercises and challenges. So when it came time to cut a promo, I'm like, well, time to hang my balls out there and see what happens. And so I took a, a what I felt like at the time was a bit of a risk. Mm -hmm. And luckily the promo landed the way I wanted it to, and it got the right people's attention. And it was actually in that moment that I was like, you know, if WWE doesn't sign me as a wrestler, maybe there's something to be said for a future behind the microphone. And it was that moment, that promo on tough enough that I was just kind of like, huh, maybe I got something here. Excellent. Excellent. Now I'm, I'm going to, there's so many things we could get into and we've talked about this and we are we're going to, we're going to have AJ on the show later if he wants and, and go over a lot of these other cool aspects of his wrestling career. Cause there are some really cool things I was read, read about it. Um, let's fast forward now to the, when MLW pops up, you see, uh, you see that uh, there's a chance to be an announcer. Is, is that what you started off with originally? You went in to be an announcer or did they, you went into the company and they made you an announcer or, yeah, so uh, the story about how I came, uh, became involved with MLW was I uh, tracked down the appropriate party for uh, who hires talent at MLW, and I just shot them an email out of nowhere saying, this is who I am, here's my resume, here are some reels of my work, here are the positions I'm interested in. If something becomes available, I would really appreciate it if you kept me in mind. Never even heard back. Had no idea if the right person even saw the email. And so then in September, as they were kind of shuffling their deck, I believe that was the time that Tony Schiavone was starting to make his transition to AEW full time, um, you know, and uh, Cornette had gotten himself in a bit of hot water with some controversial <laughs> tweets or jokes or whatever the hell yeah. Cornette was saying at the time. Um, and so a spot opened up. And so I got an email just out of the blue saying, we received your materials, we like what you see, and we would like to discuss um, making you a part of MLW. And so a couple emails back and forth, we reached an agreement. And then, uh, you know, first, I believe Saturday in October of last year, mm -hmm. uh, my first show with MLW was in Tijuana as this kind of, it was with this um, MLW crash. crash, I believe yeah. it was. And then my first actual gig with MLW was their debut on Worldwide Pay-Per-View. My first time calling mm -hmm. pro wrestling for television, my first time calling a live pay-per-view. So it was like, yeah, no pressure. Like, here you go, just straight <laughs> to the fire. Wow. Wow. I'm going to have to say wow because, folks, I know this is uh, – I've, I've actually had to do play-by-play -play announcing for other wrestling companies, and the first time I ever did it, I had no clue really well, how different fair, and hard it I've is. I've been doing it for seven and a half years up to this point because shortly after Tough Enough, mm -hmm. I got involved with an Oakland, California promotion called Hood Slam. and. Right. Kind and came on uh, pretty immediately as a commentator, a host, and a ring announcer. So wow. I've definitely had a lot of experience <laughs> as, you know, calling professional wrestling, right. but never for television, never for yeah. live television. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember being so just petrified prior to the pay-per-view going on the air that it was just like, well, 
here we go. Let's see what happens. Well, let's face it. You obviously uh, impressed enough people because you're still there and we still enjoy who you are. So Thank you. I, I guess you got the game pretty quick. Yeah, so far so good. <laughs> MLW, uh, why did you reach out to them? I, I, I have some really uh, interesting insights and opinions about MLW, but why MLW itself? Were you just kind of shooting out to everybody? Was there something specific about MLW that caught your eye? MLW caught my eye because it's it's different enough from every other uh, like televised wrestling product out there, and it just mm -hmm. felt a little bit more fun, a little bit mm -hmm. more. I don't want to use the term raw because obviously that's the name of a flagship <laughs> WWE, but just like kind of rough around the edges, but in an appealing and intriguing way. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I'm always trying to, I'm always looking for the next step. I'm always looking for the next. Uh, opportunity to get better mm -hmm. and I was just in a position at the time where I was just kind of like you know what where are the places I want to work right now and so I reiterated my interest to places who were already aware that I was interested and I was like MLW is starting to make a lot of noise right now like they're turning some heads mm -hmm. and looking at their products I'm like that's the type of thing I think I would enjoy being a part of so okay. To answer your question, like they are different enough from AEW and WWE and, and mm -hmm. Impact and everything else out there that it's worth going out of your way to check out because it's just, it's just fun. It doesn't yeah. take itself quite as seriously as WWE or AEW, and um, it's that's one of the reasons why I enjoy being a part of MLW. Well, uh, some of the things that are very interesting that MLW does that even I find that even WWE and AEW haven't even ever been able to do is say let's take the integration of uh, Lucha Libre wrestlers and mixing them with North American wrestlers and actually right. working because it seems the the history of this is always bring bring them in let them do their own thing which fails bring them in and let them go up against uh, regular wrestlers and try and get them to wrestle like uh, North American wrestlers it fails and then but somehow MLW has made uh, Lucha wrestlers actually look good and as credible wrestlers. And that, why? How did they do that? Because even I've never seen that before. And I enjoy it. I mean, I love Mexican wrestling, but when I watch it, I take it for what it is. It's Mexican wrestling. Right. So to see it fused together, which a fusion. Well, well I was, I was going to say, it's, it's no accident <laughs> that fusion is the name of MLW's flagship show. And like mm -hmm. MLW goes out of its way to bring in talent that really do showcase the best of their mm -hmm. style of wrestling. So like, Obviously, you've got North American style, you've got Lucha Libre, but there is a super strong uh, contingent of cruiserweights that just mm -hmm. kill it every time. Uh, mm -hmm. Strong style is, you know, very strongly represented in MLW as well. And the caliber of talent in the locker room, you know, one of the marks of a, of a fantastic professional wrestler is that you're able to work with anybody regardless of style or size or... Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, depending on what, what locker room you're looking at, talent. Like a good pro wrestler has to make a green pro wrestler or maybe a not-so-good pro wrestler look as good as possible. Mm -hmm. What sets MLW apart is that everybody in that locker room is so talented and so just dialed in to bring the best not just out of themselves and each other. It's a very selfless locker room that doesn't matter what style you have or what your repertoire is, like – Anybody in that locker room can get a good match out of anybody in that locker room. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something. And you hit on a, an interesting thing about MLW Fusion is uh, 
it does have a bit of everything for everybody, you know? Right. And so, you know, you may not 100% like every segment, but I guarantee you there's someone in the segment you didn't like that loves that segment. And it manages to appeal, appeal to a very large audience. And obviously uh, it's been growing. I mean, when we started covering it just after last year's battle riot, um, I have just seen it go bigger and bigger. The events get bigger, the crowds get bigger, the cities get bigger. Now you guys have upcoming shows. You have an anthology show I've seen advertised coming. You've signed uh, uh, signed on to bigger networks. Very exciting. Uh, how far do you think MLW can go though? It's 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 kind of it's a bit scary with having two giant dominating forces out there. One of which is struggling to keep up with at all with the other one. Uh, is there still room for a third? Oh yeah, absolutely. I believe there's, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, we would never would have thought that there would be two giant companies we would have thought mm -hmm. there would have just been one. Um, and so kudos to AEW for proving that they can be just right neck and neck and create compelling content on a, on the level that they are. I don't think there's any reason that MLW can't be right next to WWE or AEW. And again, mm -hmm. considering the, fusion of styles and considering the different flavor that MLW brings that is a little rough around the edges. Um, mm -hmm. I absolutely think there's a place for MLW to be right next to WWE and AEW. Another thing I find very effective about um, MLW is uh, the packaging of uh, certain stars that they get behind. Um, they've managed to take it. We've laughed about this. I don't know how many times me and Elio, where somebody's come on and our first impression was kind of like, hmm. And then maybe after a week or two, oh, I hate that guy. And then after a while, we're like, oh my God, we're cheering injustice. What the hell right. happened here? Right? Like, <laughs> how do I like these guys? So yeah. You don't want to like them, but they're so damn talented and so yes. obnoxious that you're just like, okay, I see what's happening here. Well, and also the key is, and here's the key. Yes, they always were talented. And yes, they were always obnoxious. But MLW managed to present them in a way that it eased in to pass those barriers where the part of me that was like, ah, I can't stand these guys was like, ha. Huh. Mm -hmm. And, and I, th I find that very unique because that's happened with uh, a lot of guys who some people may not have given a chance to in the beginning, you know. Um, and I'll give you an example. When my first thought of when they first had the dynasty together, I was just like, oh, okay, MJF and these plotty plotty dudes right but then they don't even need him they're fun and interesting and and there are another guys that we unfortunately keep saying we look forward to the bad guys we keep wanting to see every week right right and that's that's a fine line to walk when you have bad guys who are you know they're clearly heels injustice mm -hmm. the dynasty 100 percent heels but they're talented enough and they're confident enough in how they present themselves as characters that you look forward to the performance even though you know you're supposed to hate them and again i think that's uh something mlw does really well is build characters not just mm -hmm. here's uh you know here's an impressive physique in trunks and kick pads coming out going come on baby like get the hell mm -hmm. out of here that's been done so many times give me a reason to cheer you or boo you and the characters in mlw do just that and mm -hmm. i understand like a lot of people don't have the attention spans that we did back, you know, in the mid nineties or the mid aughts where it's like you, I think there's still something to be said for the slow build and the slow mm -hmm. development of a character. Yes. It's nice to know how you feel about somebody right off the bat, but mm -hmm. also it's nice to, to look at how you felt about somebody the first time you saw them and be like, wow, my perspective on them has changed in a way that I respect them more as a performer, but also I appreciate how the character gets this reaction out of me. 
Mm -hmm. I, one character, we're going to give our best example here is we knew a character coming in. We never had heard of him before. We didn't know who he was. Uh, then when I started reading some, you know, back indie news about him, I remember looking at Elio and going, oh, no, they're going to bring in this kind of wrestler. I don't want to see this guy whatsoever. This guy came in and everything you read about him on paper, you go, this is just a bad this is this isn't this is this crap didn't work in the 70s or whatever but right now i would i would say that mads warner is probably the most interesting dynamic and legitimate wrestler <laughs> that we've seen in such a long time he's yep. not only is his character work is great but you have managed you guys have managed to package him in a way that he is incredibly interesting oh and He's fascinating. He's, a, yeah. he's as fascinating a person as he is a character. And the line between the two is not that, like, Mance is Mance. Like, you're mm -hmm. getting Mance Warner when you see Mance Warner. And I think that's one of the reasons why it does come off as almost effortless and genuine is mm -hmm. because when he, you know, when he turns it on, Mance Warner is one of the most entertaining wrestlers in on television anywhere, right? Yeah. Now. And oh, definitely. it's not hard to form an opinion about Mance Warner. What you see is what you get, but what you get is a very entertaining and equally tough package. Mm -hmm. he, he's, he's become the uh, holy grail of our M MLW search for our someday to get him on our thing. Yes. Just because when we first, like I said, when we first saw on paper, uh, CZW, that would just kind of made us both glaze over because we've never been the fan of the hardcore stuff, you know? And then, you know, the hardcore, this guy's coming over. And then when they said his character and then, it just worked. I mean, right away, there was something, definitely him, but also the amount of, you know, vignettes you guys give him, the way he interacts with other people has really made this uh, a really standout character. And uh, it's amazing because I, I find it weird if so many more people just gave MLW a chance, there are so many great characters and groups like this right. that I think they'd be rather amazed. You guys are not a one-trick pony. I mean, there are tons of great wrestlers on this roster. I agree. And I think MLW is in a unique position right now where, and I know comparing a promotion to ECW is almost cliche at this point, but like you've got the big two right now. You've got WWE, you've got AEW and MLW is over here starting to make some noise again, just like, just like ECW did back in the mid nineties. And if MLW can continue to make that noise and continue to be like, you know what, all, all that's fine. Like we're not hating on, what WWE does, we're not hating on what AEW does, but like, come test out the waters down here. We think you're gonna enjoy what you see. So if you give it a chance, and you know, like you said, there is something for every wrestling fan uh, mm -hmm. on MLW Fusion. And especially now we have this uh, MLW anthology coming out because mm -hmm. you know we are obviously running short on live wrestling content. Um, MLW does not have any empty arena shows coming up, mm -hmm. so. Um, but to give people a taste of, because MLW has been around for a long, long time. A lot of yes. people have only started to hear about it right now. So it's like we have a chance to show fans how long MLW has been around, the litany of just amazing talent that has come through MLW over the years. And hopefully by the time shelter in place and social distancing is over, there's this new crop of fans that is just chomping at the bit to be a part of a live show. Okay. Now, I'd actually, uh, I'd seen some uh, interview a little while ago with Court Bauer, where he actually mentioned that, and I was unclear that since the anthology thing now has come up, if maybe that's what he was also talking about. But he had said something about that he had a year and a half worth of episodes to do if nothing started up again. 
does that include the anthology or is that just straight up fusion? Do you know by any chance or? I don't know. I'm not aware <laughs> of those details. And even if I did, it sounds like the kind of thing that I've got to do my, I can neither oh. confirm nor deny. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Cause yeah, I, when I read that, I was like blown away, but then the anthology thing makes sense too. So I was like, well, who knows? Who knows? Stay tuned. Um, and it's funny too, cause you know what? We've mentioned all this stuff about great characters and great things. We didn't even, after all that, we didn't even mention probably the most effective uh, villains and heel stable in a long time was Contra, an idea that probably sound like it would never work and has been the, one of the most effective, cool things, especially with the way it's pre presented, cutting in on your shows, right. doing these things, bad guys who are there is nothing cool or uh, let's, they're the cool guys to hang out with. No, these are out and out bad guy villains who beat the crap out of you and it's working. Yeah, straight up hateable. And like yeah. anybody, anybody who comes in, like you were saying with that Mance Warner yeah. character or, or the mm -hmm. dynasty or Contra, mm -hmm. like you've got these talented performers. If, you're, if your locker room is talented enough, they can make an idea work. Like they mm -hmm. will find a way to make it work. And again, it's a testament to the caliber of talent that MLW has right now that the dynasty works, that Mance Warner works, that Contra you know, like you said, they're not the heel, they're not the NWO faction where they're just so cool. You want to buy their shirt and hang out with them. It's like, no, they are 100% despicable, despisable. There is no gray area about that. And having characters like that just make for um, a more watchable product. All right. Now, you're obviously involved a lot with, uh, you know, backstage. You get to see a lot of things. You get to work with the guys. Is there somebody we may we should really keep an eye on that you you think is maybe newer in the MLW mix who you should we should keep an eye on because this is going to be a, a breakout guy that maybe he's not even a newer wrestler but just somebody new to MLW that we should really keep an eye on who who do you yeah. think is is an AJ's uh, scope? Uh, there's two actually, and we kind of touched on them earlier. Um, Alexander Hammerstone is one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, current member of the Dynasty, he's the reigning national openweight champion. And as I was saying, the guy, I mean, he's like 250 pounds. He's absolutely jacked. He's deceptively athletic. Like he's, he can, he's got quickness and hops for days and he's just, I don't know. He's, he, he feels like the unstoppable force. And right now we have a world heavyweight champion in uh, the Samoan smashing machine, mm -hmm. Jacob Fatu, who is in the camp of Contra and people are already talking about, what would happen if Jacob Fatu got in the ring with Alexander Hammerstone? It really would be our unstoppable force versus the immovable object. And what's fascinating is that both of them are heels. And mm -hmm. so if that match happens when both of them are heels, the fans got to pick a side. And I'd be very curious to see who they chose to support. The other is also a member of the dynasty, Richard Holiday, mm -hmm. who is definitely not the same type of physically imposing brute that Hammerstone is, but Holiday is so immediately hateable. His, mm -hmm. his character is so dialed in right now with the AirPods and his father slash, or excuse me, lawyer slash father. Like he puts lawyer, <laughs> lawyer before he's his father. Like, like that just really make for an instantly hateable character. And it's one of the things that I, and it works really well together, Dynasty, or I'm sorry, Hammerstone and Holiday. Because um, again, their, their attitudes are similar, but they're very different competitors, very different characters, but somehow it works perfectly together. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, you know what? Uh, we should probably take this time to throw out a bunch of your, I know you've got a lot of, first of all, you probably have merchandise, you probably have places to contact, and you, we didn't even get to touch yet on a lot of the other personas and work things that you've been doing, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get to that someday soon. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that for sure. Excellent. But uh, for, for now, AJ Kirsch, where do fans who uh, want to get a hold of you, uh, uh, in that sense, what kind of social media things do you have for that? And is there any other social media that you want to share out today? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for giving me the chance to plug all that stuff. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all at AJ Kirsch, and that's A-J-K-I-R-S-C-H. I've also started streaming at-home zero-equipment bodyweight workouts on Twitch, um, obviously gyms are closed right now and people are looking for different ways to stay active and stay motivated. So I do a one hour workout every day. Um, the stream starts at 515 Pacific time. The workout starts at 530 on weekdays and on weekends, the stream starts at 145 PM Pacific time, two o'clock Pacific time on weekends. And like I said, no equipment. All you need is some water and a sweat towel. Uh, it's fun. I don't take it too seriously, but it is a hell of a workout. And, you know, it's part of how I'm trying to keep money coming in as mm -hmm. an actor and live performer who obviously is out of work during uh, this global pandemic. Um, okay. So, yeah, a follow on social media would be great. If you want to tune into my Twitch workouts, that would be great, too. Uh, that's twitch.tv slash AJ Kirsch. And also a store on Pro Wrestling Tees with 35 designs um, for my <laughs> Grosif Joe Brody character that I do at Hood Slam. Um, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Joe Brody. Well, that's a lot of stuff too. Also fans, check out uh, MLW Fusion for free on YouTube. It has its own channel, MLW. You just click on there and uh, uh, like and subscribe and you'll actually get it. I get it every week. It just automatically pops up on my feed every Saturday night. Yep. Every episode stays up on demand. Um, it's free to subscribe. You can watch it as many times as you want. And oftentimes there are things on the YouTube channel that we can't or don't show on be in mm -hmm. sports because of either, you know, content restraints or, or time restraints. So mm -hmm. youtube.com slash major league wrestling. Okay. And uh, can you tell us anything about this anthology show? I, I don't really know exactly what it is. It's, it's going to be just the best of things, but it's, it's coming right away or. Tune or in did to find you, out. Tune in to find out. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. I'm going to give it away that all right. Well, one thing I do know is uh, one thing we wanted to throw out there is we always had fun. We did notice that uh, of how uh, MLW managed to ramp up uh, language. Uh, there was a time where all of a sudden WWE and, and AEW started flirting around with swear words. And then it turned out with Selena. No, what's her name again? I, the girl Selena De La Renta. De La Renta. She comes out and she called, uh, said that uh, Sammy Callahan was a go fucker. That was that was the, the floodgates that opened. That was the best moment ever because I don't think ever in my lifetime I watched a wrestling show where I went, "What? What right. did she just say?" That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> Little moments like that just make uh, just make MLW an absolute gem. And of course, the ongoing uh, everyone has to take an, uh, an ad. everyone. When is your chance going to come get to say that MJF's an asshole? Because I noticed that every character so far, whenever yeah. they mention him, everyone has to say at least once that he's an asshole. Well, I try to remain impartial <laughs> as, a, as a you know as a broadcaster. I, I I do my best to keep myself composed. And now that Mance Warner ran his ass out of town, I don't need to worry about that anymore. So you know what, MJF, you are a gaping asshole. <sighs> there it is. 
And speak, I don't know about speaking impartial because I've seen you having a bit of a friction there with uh, Hammerstone and Holiday at times. They seem to yeah, kind of push you around. Worst. They're the absolute worst. <laughs> I, I, I do, they challenge me at times to stay mm -hmm. unbiased, but ultimately, like, I'm a human being. I'm not going to yep. take their crap, and I don't think anybody should have to take their crap. They're just way more obnoxious than I think even they realize, and I just feel like they need to hear that from time to time. And I think the funny thing is they haven't seen you with the with the uh, broadcaster shirt off because I think I might not try and push a guy as big and shredded as you around. So oh, they saying. They'll, they'll find out if they push me too far. Excellent. Well, you know what? We really want to thank you for coming on today, uh, AJ. My we pleasure. It was great talking some MLW. Folks, we definitely, we're going to have AJ on down the road here, not too far down. We're going to talk more about uh, his other work. He does, uh, he has some great stuff out on the indies. Uh, lots of cool, interesting things. And I bet you, you probably have even more stories. We just, we unfortunately don't have enough time to sit down and tell all the stories like we get to with most guys. So thank you very we'll, much for coming. We'll on. make it happen uh, sooner rather than later. We absolutely will. Thanks. And want to wish you the best of luck. And any last thing you want to throw the fans out there? Um, Stay safe, stay smart. You know, these are challenging times for everybody. Um, but go out of your way to seek out as much wrestling content as you can because this is the time when people are forced to get creative, forced to throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. So be vocal about what you like. Um, and if you don't like something, let other people like it. It's not a big deal if you don't like something. You just don't have to watch it. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, something I've been kind of like – signing off with on my workouts and everything is that we are stronger than the circumstances that surround us. So just keep that in mind as we continue to navigate this global pandemic, stay safe, stay smart, and uh, we will come out of this on the other side, hopefully better than ever. Hey folks, we are back. You know what, Ant, I could not help but notice, I, I couldn't help notice you noticing me wearing the wrestling POV t-shirt. Pretty snazzy, huh? Pretty snazzy, it looks good on you. Well, you know what? There's, there's, there's four colors. There's four different designs. You can get it at prowrestlingtees.com backslash WPOV wrestling. You know what? If you want to get a hold of any of us, if you want to give us any, you know, you want to talk to the guys at Wrestling POV, you want to talk to us here at Global, you want to talk to about Ant and his co-host over at the MMA show, there are plenty of ways that you can do that. Elio, tell the people about the good stuff they can get to. All right. So you can uh, write us at... Uh... Wrestling POV podcast on Facebook, Wrestling POV one on Instagram, Wrestling POV on Twitter. And you know what, folks? You can hear this show, and you can also hear Wrestling POV and the MMA show on all kinds of different platforms beside the one you're listening to now. And what are all those platforms out there, buddy? The platforms are as follows. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Spotify. Mm, every time I hear Podbean, I get hungry. Anyhow, <laughs> now that that craziness is done, speaking about craziness, and guys, some of today I had to shake my head. Let's get into AEW because, uh -oh. man, this was a roller coaster of an episode. So this week's format, we are going to talk about the highs and the lows of this week's AEW. And, of course, I think we should start off with the highs. All right? Uh, Ant, you got a couple highs that you really enjoyed about this week's episode? Yeah, um, so for starters, one of my highs is seeing Jim Ross back. I know Jim Ross has caught a lot of flack. You know, he's had some errors, you know, in previously recorded shows. But given everything that has been going on with COVID-19 and how it affects, you know, people in certain demographics or age groups, it was really great seeing JR back on the call. 
Definitely. Not so much Excalibur, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we're going to, folks, just so you know, as each of us are given our highlights, I want you guys, if any one of the three of us say a highlight that you disagree with and you think it was your low light, just signal the other and go, okay, I'm ready for a low light here because I may not agree with that. Okay. So, all right, go ahead. Any other ones you got coming out there? What else? Um, another one that I have was the spotlight on the women's division. That vignette going to the match with Nyla Rose, like it really made you feel like the women's division is one to watch when we watch an AEW. Mind you, the three of us know that there is still room for improvement, but if there's someone who was tuning into wrestling for the very first time, making a mistake about it, that person would have been convinced that you absolutely have to watch AEW's women division. I have that, and that I have speaks that highly to the production team and how well they put that vignette together. Mm-hmm. I have that as my light. The Nyla Rose match. Well, he's no. not saying the match. He's not saying the match. The vignette prior the to vignette. the match. Oh. Where they showed the contenders. Oh, the vignette. I must have, yeah. uh, I must have stepped away for a minute. Okay. Okay. Um, totally agree. What a great vignette. My only, only problem with it, why the hell was there no Chris Stratlander in there? I mean, she should have been a part of that too. She's even in the audience of this show. Yeah. And once again, they yeah. act like she doesn't exist. So that kind of ticked me off, but I really thought it made, okay, and come on. I'm sorry, but uh, uh, Hakura, Hakura is her name, right? I always yeah. mix up her hey, name. Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida, yeah. Hikaru Shida, perfect. Um, Britt Baker, lifting her game up. But really, Penelope Ford above Chris Dreilander. Who the hell is thinking this one through? So I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) That was the only part. I don't mind. I'm not going to put down Penelope Ford. But to have her over and not have anything for Chris Dreilander really kind of irked me a tiny bit. Especially when Ford has been seen more as a manager to say yeah. than an actual yeah. wrestler in the division. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Anything else you want to highlight on there, Ant? Um, I would say another highlight for me was hmm. Another highlight for me was MJF's promo. Yep. This okay. week in comparison to his previous promos. The whole mm-hmm. thing about the injuries with the hangnail and the uh razor cut they were lame, but yeah. the promo that he came forth with on tonight where, you know, he pretty much made it known that he's not to be compared to any other wrestler and him reclaiming his throne. And then even with the uh, banter that he had with uh, Sean Spears and then making yeah. fun of, uh, you know, Clown and Tony Schiavone and even praising each other, whether it was genuine praise or facetious praise. This okay. was the MJF that I look forward to seeing when I tune in. Yep. All right. he, he didn't just heal, he overhealed. <laughs> right. now, now, here's the part that is a little bit worrisome for me, Ant. Okay. You gave me three highlights, and not one of them was a wrestling match. Oh. <laughs> is there, is there any say, of the wrestling matches that were... It's hungry? not to say the matches weren't bad, because they weren't, but they were just generic. They were basic to me. There really wasn't one match tonight that wowed me. I I get that because I've been racking my head trying to think, was there one match that really just made me go? But Elio, I know you did have a match you enjoyed very much. I did have a match. It was the John Moxley-Kasarian match. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, you really enjoyed it. I got to say, in my opinion, it was a little flat. It just seemed like it was a little bit long and not... Although, Nothing really although, highlighted these guys. Although I didn't like the ending with the whole Dark Order coming out to uh, beat down John Moxley. 
holy crap, that went on and on and on. Okay, uh, any other highlights for you tonight? Uh, like I said, I have the MJF promo mm-hmm. and uh, that Chun Spears promo when he, that he cut on Cody Rhodes. Yeah. When he that called the American, the American sociopath. The American sociopath. Okay. <laughs> uh, my highlights for the night, and I know I might get flack for this one. You guys might look at me and think I'm insane. But I thought, and of course, they totally undid it in the next segment. But the Brandy Rhodes promo where she was sitting at the desk yeah. warning uh, Jake the Snake was really well done. I actually, uh, I didn't mind that. I, I thought, wow, I know Brandy takes a lot of crap from the fans that don't like AEW. But I thought that was super effective. I think they kind of undid it a bit by what happened in the next segment right after it. But, uh, man, it made me think of, okay, she's asserting control. And, you know, like, uh, she's not going to pull up with this crap. And maybe there would be some repercussions if something happened. Of course, they undid threw that all out the window in the next thing. But, man, I thought that was some of the best uh, work I've seen Brandy do in a long time. So yes. that I appreciated. Agree. 100% agree with you, Ant. I was very much impressed and excited by the women's, uh, by the highlight reel showing all the women. Even Nyla Rose actually came off looking much stronger than we've actually have seen her. So yes, yay for the power of editing. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what? Match-wise, man, I, I got to say the only match that I could say that I would give just a tiny bit, just even it's even just a tiny bit uh, uh, interesting above, you know, generic, I had to give props to Joey Janela. I've been hard, high on, hard on this guy for quite a while, but it seems he's actually taking seriously to become a wrestler and not just a crash performer because he actually put in some darn good wrestling for the third consecutive time I've seen, or I guess the fourth consecutive time now I've seen him in a row. So he's not fluking it out. He's actually giving it a a fair shot there. So I'm going to give that one as about the only match that I thought squeaked above some of it, but the John Moxley match, oh man, I wanted to really like this. Love Kazarian. Mm -hmm but we didn't really see Kazarian tonight. And I like Moxley, but we didn't really see John Moxley tonight. We just saw two guys bear hugging each other the whole time. It, it was, it was kind of flat. So now here comes the hard part. I have, I have a question though. Yes. What is Billy B? How does Billy B even uh, get a title shot against Moxley when he hasn't, he, he, he's not even uh, number one contender. Well, obviously he sent seven of his friends out to beat the champion <laughs> until the champion agreed to a match. <laughs> Duh, that's heel 101, dude. That's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> don't I mean, you dare try and put logic in wrestling out there. <laughs> I, will super kick, I will super kick that out of your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no room for logic in this world. All right, all right. All right, boys, get out the shovels. We're going digging now. Oh. What was the lowlights of the week? Uh, start off with you, Ant. Lowlights for you in this episode. What was just like, oh, my Lord. Um... First low light for me this week would be Taz's offering to help Darby Allen. Uh, so in that interview with Taz, uh, he was trying to get information from him as to what happened in his uh, semifinals match with Cody and why things didn't go well. Darby doesn't respond. Then Taz pointed out Darby's faults and even offered to provide him guidance off record. 
and Darby doesn't respond and he just walks off. And I guess what made it a low light was that Taz didn't seem comfortable in his offering of guidance. You know, there seemed to be, you know, stump, stumbling and uncertainty in his presentation to offer him guidance. So that was one of my low lights. It was very un-Taz-like, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Like all you've yeah. known of Taz and all of a sudden he's almost kissing this kid's ass to help him. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't come off that great at all. So much so, I totally even forgot about that segment when you brought up like, oh, yeah, that did happen. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you got in your low light bag this week? Um, the post-match run-in involving Dark Order and, and yeah. Moxley. And my issue with that is, again, going back to consistency when it, you know, comes to number one contenders, the last that we heard, even before uh, Jake Hager came into play, the last that we heard was that based on the rankings, MJF was supposed to be the number one contender. And, and now that he's back, you know, he's going to get, you know, I guess he's being pushed to the side for Brody Lee. And it's one of those things where is it like, okay, are we going to, you know, put WWE castaways in the limelight and, you know, keep them in the title picture or, you know, will AEW advance his own talent and place so, them there? Um, I don't know. I just feel like with Brody Lee, you know, squashing local talent week after week after week outside of where he's come from, what has he done to legitimately warrant himself a title shot? So, so you're, you're, what you're trying to say here, though, in the overall picture is that Jungle Boy isn't a good substitute for the world champion? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, MJF got screwed on the ratings. Okay. I know, right? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to throw in? Um, hmm. uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I don't know. I guess just the overall quality of the matches, as I stated earlier, they were just bland. Nothing okay. too awful, but really nothing anything that okay. wowed me or excited. Well, I think we all pretty much got that, except for Elio is apparently back to drinking because <laughs> he thought John Moxley had a pretty good match. <laughs> Elio, pull out your bag of poop. Polish up a turd and show it to us. Anyway, my uh, like, number one is uh, Nyla Rose versus, I think, what's the name? Kenzie Page. Man, you hate that Nyla Rose, but okay, go on. <laughs> and um, Why? My, Why what was so terrible about it? I don't know. You, you, you knew that was going to be a squash match. Okay, okay. And uh, my second one is the main event. That went oh on too long, Lord. and there was just a lot of crap. The whole match oh. already uh, flipping back and forth between alter egos is just yeah. Oh man, okay. Let, let's let's deal with the main event right now. All right. The main event was you, you can sometimes wrestling can be fun. Yeah. When you have these backstage things, but this is like when you do something for too long, anything too long and if anyone thinks i'm crazy go buy a tub of icing and just eat it until it's done and you'll see that a good thing can go bad really really quick okay this went on and on and it just okay oh. it went so long that I, I just couldn't take it anymore and then the ridiculousness of things okay some of it was like ridiculously dumb them trying to run each other over with uh, golf carts okay. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, then I, I don't know why guys, but this looked like the scariest crap to me was when Kenny Omega climbed the top of that cherry picker and then did a backflip. Oh, I was about to say that. There was a yeah. table right there. You know how dangerous of a spot that was for a stupid in the arena. I thing? was just about to bring that up. That spot not, was just not was cool. Not cool. This whole thing was, and it just went on for so ridiculously long. And, um, you know what it honestly felt like? And, and this to me was what I hated about them going back to live was the commercial in uh, Oh, the picture in picture. Yep. Picture in picture. And this went on so long that I was as bored watching the picture in picture as I was watching this match. Uh, it was just too much. It was too ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made no sense at the end that the inner circle has everybody jump, uh, come in and beat the crap out of them. Nobody whatsoever is there to help uh and that seemed to be the theme uh good guys get no hand anymore you know all the all the so-called good guys won't help out the fellow good guys they'll just you know everyone watch uh watch the inner circle kick the crap out of the champion oh everybody watch uh brandy get covered in a snake oh everybody watch uh omega and, and wrestlers are literally following them through this whole brawl and yet these the inner circle jump in and not one person helps them not one of these so-called good guys run in and help them. And they're right there. So um, it's just too much, too much. The main event was not very good. Yep. yep. Um, and I think it's stuff like this that kind of embarrasses me about wrestling. These are the kind of things where if I had a friend come over and said, hey, let's watch some wrestling. You know, sometimes I do that. I come over, hey, and throw on New Japan, watch something cool. Hey, I threw this on, and then I feel like I understand why people think wrestling is foolish and ridiculous. Stuff like this. Actually, going back to uh, Brandy and uh, the snake. Yeah. That was a terrible segment. I was waiting for Cody Rhodes to like come out and do something. But... The only saving grace there was the announcers explaining mm -hmm. that the dressing room was so far away that you actually had to take a golf cart to get there. So it might have made sense that he had changed and went to the thing logically. Oh, my God, oh. logic and wrestling. <laughs> but, uh, he would actually have not been able, by the time he actually got there, they would have been gone home already. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'll give them that. I'll give them that. But uh yeah, that was a terrible thing. And the, here's the thing is that was so cool. It was so cool to see Brett Bake uh Brett Baker hit uh hit what's his name? Uh QT Marshall with the shoe and yep. then have an interaction. Yep. And it was even kind of cool to see Britt go over there and lay out Brandy, but it just went to hell after that. And yep. I mean guys. 1982 call. They want to take Jake the snake and his effing snake back because it doesn't work anymore. That that was what was the point of that? Now uh, here's the thing. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with Jake using the snake because you know what I mean. It gave me a nostalgia type of feel. Yep. But what bothered me was the uncertainty of the placement of the snake. How many times did Jake lift up the snake and place it back on Brandy? It had to be a bit of four four or five times yeah. in that segment, you know, in that portion of the uh, uh, post-melee, yeah. uh, uh, post-match melee alone. I'm like, okay, it shouldn't take this many times to place a snake on someone. Like, okay, the snake is on Brandy's shoulder, yeah. then it's on her arm, then it's on her chest, and then the snake goes in between her legs. I'm like, okay, this is killing what could have, you know, this is killing that nostalgic moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It really looked like you had to manipulate a prop, not like a snake right. was actually putting any danger. Right. It looked like the snake was like, get me the hell out of here. Yeah. And they're like, no, you do your job. You know, <laughs> <laughs> everybody says a job in AEW. Um, so, uh, so for me, like, yeah, the main event, terrible. Uh, the, um, the snake thing, terrible. Oh. The new, uh, sorry, the Dark Order stuff just was 
painfully long. It just went on and on. And you really could have cut out so much time out of that and made it much more effective. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was some hiccups here in today's episode, man. Yeah. It was sort of a middle-of-the-road episode for me. Uh, all in all, guys, let's give it our, our ratings from A, B, C, D, or F. Um, Ant, how are you going to rate this week's uh, show? Um, again, giving the, the lack of sizzle in actual matches and, you know, some of the nonsensical things that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, packaged with, you know, some of the good things that came forth, like the Brandy promo and the mm-hmm. women's vignette. Uh, I guess for me, it's a C. Mm-hmm. All right. Elio? Yep, I'm going to give it a C as well. You know what, guys? So am I. It, it wasn't a failure, but it certainly wasn't. Like, I can't, I can't even press to name for myself one match of a match that was like, somewhat exciting yeah you know i really had to stretch hard for the first match for 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 cody and joey janela so um yeah it's gonna definitely have to be a c for this week's all right so that's our look at AEW. we're gonna take a really quick look here at mlw and then get into the book mlw this week week four of the super series and unfortunately Now, I've explained this to some people, and I explained this into the column that I wrote. We came across that thing where I understand why a lot of you fans would not like the first match whatsoever, okay? One of the problems with Lucha Libre wrestling, it's nothing like like the wrestling that we're used to. So unless you go in knowing how it's done, knowing what it's about, you are lost, so any North American wrestling fan who turned in this week and saw that first match, you probably were like, what the hell is this crap? Okay. Because it was a straight up exhibition match featuring two trios teams and it was straight up Mexican wrestling. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say this. I, I, I did mention this to AJ uh, who we had earlier on the interview. Uh, I felt bad for them. And the fact is there were two guys who were on one team, the, 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 the Rudos team, the bad guys, they were all dressed like paramilitary army guys. And they featured, and this was weird, they had a guy named Tito Santana, <laughs> who was definitely not Tito Santana that you know. Right. <laughs> and uh, this guy, th- there was two guys on that team that looked so much alike. And the third guy, the only difference was he had blonde hair. So every time he wrestled, uh, the announcers knew his name. They had no idea what to call the other two because they were so hard to tell apart. I think they were kind of afraid to say the wrong guy's name. So it, it was really hard to, to, to follow some of that match. Typical Lucha Libre stuff. I'm going to say it was uh, definitely uh, a bit of a low life for, for people who know nothing about this wrestling. But definitely, I found it middle of the road. I, I like Lucha Libre wrestling. I understand it. Me, it wasn't such a big deal. But I get how fans might not like it. Uh, Elio, was there anything that really stuck out to you in this uh, in the MLW this week? For me, it was uh, it was actually um, that match. Like, uh, even though I I get lost in Lucha Libre matches, but I've seen I've seen enough like with the sparingly uh, shows that they've shown here in the past. So for me, that was my highlight for this week. Okay, uh, my highlight for me had to be. Uh, uh, I really did enjoy the Davy Boy Smith interview. It seems he's getting better and better. He's not great, but this week he had a solid one. Yeah, that was Matt, that, that's another one. 
Like, Matt's Matt's yep. had a solid one. Matt's yep. looked really good this week. Um, not such a big fan of Savio Vega's house being bought by the dynasty and then <laughs> laughing and, about and, it. And, and no, no Richie two titles. Oh my God! The next <laughs> person who calls himself something two titles deserves a super kick in the head. <laughs> you know what? It's just I, ridiculous. I, I, if I hear that, no, you know what? If next week is the last week of regular MLW, like you yeah. said, if we see them again and he calls himself Richie two titles, we have to put him in the book. I agree. I agree. Um, there's one person and okay, I wrote this in my column. I said, I'm not even addressing the Dan Lambert nonsense. Please low key cripple King Mo. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about King Mo. Well, so he, evil. I, hey, you know what? King Mo sucks so hard. Our book would be degraded <laughs> to put him in it. So he doesn't even get to go in the book. He's that horrible. Okay. So, uh, my highlight of the week, I'm going to go with, uh, the main event. I, once again, Injustice, especially this week, Myron Reed reminded me how great of a wrestler he is. He not only held the speed, the moves, the aerial stuff with those Mexican guys, but he was at times kind of outshining them. He was really hot in here. Cotto Brazil looked a little bit off. And Jordan Oliver, yeah, he's kind of Jordan Oliver. Some days he's uh, okay, sometimes he's solid. But Myron Reed definitely looked at it. Once again, we're reminded how great Injustice is. And I want to throw out special props, and this isn't a suck-up. This is how good uh, good announcing works. AJ and Rich kept pointing out, and it was so obvious, of how the Mexican officials were mistreating Injustice through this whole match. And even though Injustice does not get along with those two guys, mm-hmm. they still said, hey, I can kind of see why they get mad at officials because they're being screwed here. And they were. They had to win the match by pretty much killing those. You know, well, the, sorry, they didn't win the match, but they would have won the match. The, huh. The referee was have been so horribly inconsistent in this whole series, yep. okay? Now, it did end with, which to me made the most sense, is Brian Pillman comes out. You know, he uh, he distracts Cota Brazil, gets them all distracted, and uh, Vikingo takes the win for the Mexican team and keeps their belts. But that makes sense. I mean, how many times – I've been getting very annoyed at uh, how many times Injustice has jumped Brian Pillman, and he really has done dick all. <laughs> he just sort of takes it, takes it. They supposedly remember put his head through a cinder block. Yep. And he takes it, takes it. Finally, they tried to cut his hair, and now he's mad. <laughs> okay, we, we, we did a hair versus hair match. A hair? No, no, no. It's mullet. Remember his glorious <laughs> oh, yeah, mullet yeah, glorious versus mullet. his versus your white ghetto hairdo, whatever you call it. So that's what <laughs> Brian Pillman called it. Oh, I guess you have to take his hair to get him mad. You don't mess with a man's mullet. <laughs> you do not mess with a mullet. No. Nope. Yeah. Mullet that I have talked about the glorious mullet of Brian Pillman Jr. for a while, so uh, I guess that'll be coming up down it's, the road. It's got superpowers. I mean, look how quickly he healed from his choppy uh, wire shut. It was totally the power of the mullet, yeah, guys. <laughs> we're on to something, and buddy, do you want to grow a mullet with me? <laughs> Let's do it. Why not? I mean, we're in quarantine, we don't have anyone to impress right away. Let's why not give it a shot? Wait, are you saying no one's going to be impressed by our mullets? Maybe not the final product, but the actual progression in fulfilling the mullet. Okay, okay. Now you're married, Ed. You're married. Yeah. Okay, my wife's giving me enough crap about a beard. Do you think she's going to let me grow a mullet? (laughs) Come on, man. You think your wife's going to let you grow a mullet? Come on, man. (laughs) 
think do you think Elio's left hand is going to let him grow a mullet? No. no. The people we care about are going to be on our case. Of course. <laughs> Elio, sorry, I had to throw that. Out there. <laughs> All right. Wow, that was a sticky situation. Anyways, so this wow. week's show, <laughs> um, I wrote in my column. I gave it a B. Uh, had there the mat, there was finally some good wrestling in the show. Uh, I think it might have done better if uh, it wasn't a straight-up Lucha Libre match. If it had been more of a fusion match, I think North American fans would have enjoyed it more. There wasn't really anything too horrible in this. There, you know, because at least there's usually at least one really like oh my god thing, except for uh, Richie Two Tails. Well, oh, wait, there's also there's also L.A. Park. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, run really quick over this one. I have been impressed with L.A. Park's cooking. What is it? Something pendejos two weeks ago. <laughs> like cocina, like, and like cocina pendejos. Okay. That was pretty funny. It has some good jokes on it. Yeah. Last week, uh, Pillow Talk with LA yeah. Park. Pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. This week is the idea of where something works, so you just <laughs> drag the shit out of it. Long, way it, too long. It was horribly long. It went so long, oh. I lost all interest in after about three <laughs> minutes. It went so long, Ant, that... Uh, he cooked his entire meal this time while he was doing this promo that went on and on. And, and it, all it, could, yeah, it was this running thing about Psycho Clown. Yeah, you know, I guess he's trying to hype up next next week's match. But the only thing that could that I came out of this was like, who is stupid enough to barbecue <laughs> in their living room? I mean, he had a freaking barbecue <laughs> in his living room while he was doing this. Crazy, crazy stuff. And and so many horrible jokes, grabbing the wieners and putting the, this is the Mexican one, putting three oh. of the American ones are tiny and Jesus, like it was so it was so bad that I just numbed out after a while. And it's that case of, of what I was afraid, and I'm so glad actually there was no bubbly bunch this week because mm-hmm. I think we're on the cusp of the bubbly bunch being now like uh, you know. And like, I, I was reading a report when you said it wasn't you were sitting there watching, you couldn't find anything funny. Mm-hmm. I it was yeah. I I, mean, I, I I was sitting there watching the MLW watching that segment. I didn't even laugh once. Well, it, it's just they said that the only jokes that were any bit of funny was the stuff they already said two weeks ago. Yep. So selling, you know, telling the same joke in any crowd is like you know farting in church. <laughs> Nobody cares except to look at you pretty nasty, like so. Yeah, <laughs> um, gonna give it a B. What about you, Alio? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the B as well on this one. Uh, some good stuff, some not so good stuff, but yeah. Okay, and do you have any weigh-ins on this one, or yeah, did you? Um, I saw it as well, and uh, let's make it three for three for the letter B. Okay. Well, hey, well then, what was your highlight? What, what did you enjoy the most? Oh, the highlight for me was the Smith promo and the okay. eventual hinting towards him and Fatu getting into it. I'm oh man. Looking forward to that. That's going to finally be somebody saying something about Fatu where, like, remember he was calling him a fat. <laughs> Where's your fat ass? <laughs> yeah. But I was like, finally, Davy Boy Smith, a guy who can say that to Fatu. Exactly. Fatu's humongous, oh, but ba- Davy Boy's six foot eight. Okay, he's a massive fan. So the wow, of Mack trucks. That is going to be something. I-, I totally agree. I totally agree. So yeah, uh, I guess bees all around. Solid. Yep. Uh, I did find it a little more enjoyable than AEW this week. Sometimes it's kind of unfair, though. I, I like. I wish P- MLW had a two-hour show so it would be a little more on keel to a whole show. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty clear with the amount of not great wrestling that uh, was on AEW's 
they probably would have lost had there been the quality of quality across. So now last thing we're going to do today, kids, we are going to open the book because you know what? Yeah. I got somebody for the book. Oh yeah. And boy, the more we talk about it, I almost want to add in good old Richie two titles, but <laughs> ah, the hell with it. He's going in Richie two titles. You're going into let's oh, open right. this damn book and see what we got. Let's in there. open this book and see what we have here. Slowly. The great book opens. Okay. The first entry is Britt Baker's Mandible Claw. Well, you know what? We have not seen that crap for a while. Mm-hmm. And she sure has taken a turn for me in being a credible villain. I'm saying we take her out of the book. And actually, we have Britt Baker herself in there as well. So I think they should both come out of the book. Yep, I got to agree. Any, any, uh, any disagreements, Ant? Not at all. Jeez. All right. Progressive. Next, next is Cody's ugly tattoo. Oh my God, that's horrible. I, the first thing when he came out, I looked at it again. And I'm like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that stays in. That's got to stay in. That's just you. So let me ask this Do you all yep. think we'll ever reach a point where we're used to the tattoo? If we do, if we do, it comes out. If 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 it's become like, it still just looks like horrible on him. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so unfitting. I don't know. Maybe there will be day. If if we can learn to accept it, we'll pull it out. But right now, it's still like I said. And I'm not kidding you. When he first came out and 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 got in the ring, the first thing I was like, oh my god, that ugly ass tattoo. <laughs> it was honestly the first thing I said. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next is the, the Dark Order. Oh God. Yes, they are so mind-numbingly boring. And Brody Lee, you are not helping. <laughs> then we have Kenny King. Who? <laughs> <laughs> this is a joke we play all the Kenny King is so damn boring. He's like, who? But you know what? We don't have to deal with him anymore. Yeah. Uh, we're not doing ROH right now. Let's pull him out. Okay. I'm sure and- he'll get right back in there the first time we see him. Emmy Sakura's microphone. Well, that crap's gone, but that, you know what? That's staying in. That was a horrible gimmick. Do you remember that one, Ant, when she'd come out dressed like she was like, like a Freddie Mercury? It was like Christopher Daniels when he would bring his mic stand. To that was blasphemy. Mic. How dare you dress as Freddie Mercury? Yeah, see, I thought it was more of a Freddie Mercury thing. I know it was that. a Freddie Mercury thing. But oh, it was... But I guess that's what Christopher Daniel does, does too. He does kind of that microphone thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just... Did not. I don't get it. I don't get that. There was. It wasn't funny. It wasn't cool. Yep, so what no. was the point? Next we have Michael Nagazawa's debacle. Oh my God! No, we don't need that horrible. Yeah, that guy's got to stay in. Yeah. Unless until he, he's just he's really just a gimmick. Okay. Then we have the MLW writers. Oh yeah, just for some of the logic things. Uh, once again, um, you know. The Dark Order thing, terrible. They could have done something to break up that monotony. I get we're trying to fill a two-hour show, but we don't need 10 minutes of it of seven guys beating on somebody for with nobody doing nothing. Then we, we have the NJPW commentary team. Uh, you know what? I'm going to keep it in because they're still on hiatus. Okay. But that Gino, what was his name? Gino Caballero. Gino, Gino, Gino Gambino. Gino, oh, my God. He is terrible. I can't believe and... I could actually do his voice. Oh my lord! Oh my lord! Uh, yeah, they're 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 gonna have to stay in. Okay, and then we have Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, you know what? She's taking a hiatus. Um, 
I didn't hate the match as much as you did. So I know you probably want her kept in there. I'm unsure. Ant, you're going to be the deciding vote. You saw her this week. Does she deserve to be in the book still, or should she be pulled out? I think she redeemed herself this week. Uh, okay. Fair enough. I guess she could come out. Yeah, I mean, right. I, you know, even beyond tonight's match, like when we did see her, you know, before her hiatus, she yeah. did seem to be trending in the right direction in terms of improving her in-ring work. So, yeah, I think she could come out. And this next right. one, I, I think we can uh, take this next one out as well. Ortiz. Yes. It seems like he finally gets the idea that that hammy bullshit he was doing was enough. We yeah. haven't seen that crap. Even the last couple of matches before, we haven't seen them. So. Okay, so I you said you, you said you had two new entries. Okay, are you ready for these two entries? I'm ready. One of them we bitched about a few times already. Anybody, and I'm looking at you, Becky Lynch, you pull this crap again. Anyone else who declares themselves their name, two titles or two belts or whatever, you deserve a super kick to the dick or vagina, whatever, whatever you are. You get a super kick to your privates, and you get put in our book. So, Richard Holiday, you have made the book. All right, Richie, two titles. You just made the book. And okay, I know I'm going to get some flack from some indie fans for this one, but I cannot take Matt Hardy's stupid-ass <laughs> cartoon 3,000-year-old bullshit anymore, okay? I cannot take it. It's crap. I don't find it funny. I don't find it interesting. The only time in today's main event where I found him interesting was when he was dressed like a Hardy and he was wrestling. Nope. Okay? Uh, when he started pulling all the other crap, including his aunt pulled, poured out uh, climbing out of an ice machine. Come on, man. <laughs> how, are you, how, are you, how are you in there for that long and not frostbitten? Exactly. At least. At least. So, you know what? Definitely let's go with Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy, you just made the book. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know what, guys? Uh, this was a fun little way. I, I, the format was a little different this time, and I actually found this a lot funner. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, uh Look forward to uh, talking with uh, all you guys next week. You know what, fans? We had a great time here. Uh, we know a lot of you are still stuck in your homes. This COVID thing is, is, is not going away quite yet, and it's tough. And wherever you are around the world, stuck in your home, wondering what's, uh, what you got to do, at least i hoping that we gave you a few minutes and maybe a chuckle or two at any of our expenses because, you know what, the three of us are friends, and we have a good time just laughing about wrestling and each other. So... We're glad we could take you on this uh, journey with us. We're glad that uh, you could have uh, a good time. And uh, you know what? Anything you want to say to us, you know, the guys threw out the, uh, all of our social stuff already. And we just want to say from the three of us, keep safe. We hope to see you guys soon. And uh, we just want to send out our, our love and our hope. Uh, Ant, anything you want to throw out to the people? Yeah, a couple of things. One, I want to mention that MMA POV Podcast does have a presence on Instagram and Twitter. We can be found on both social media platforms at MMA POV Podcast. Secondly, um, want to let you all know I will not be available next week because next Wednesday will be event number two of the three events in which UFC will be having in a matter of eight days. So next week, there will be a live UFC event that I will actually have to cover for the show. So unfortunately, I will not be available for POV Global. Okay, fair enough. Well, we're going to miss you, buddy. 
Uh, miss you. I'll miss you guys as well, no doubt. All right, uh, Elio, say good night to the fine people. All right, friends, we will talk to you all next week.